Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with my good friend Tim Beadle. And we are continuing our work through Damien Girk's book, In the Way, looking at different aspects right now of how the church engages people, uh, how people engage with the church. And Tim, why don't you get us going in the right direction? What are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about something that goes uh, quite deep uh, because you can have a lot of people who are hanging around the church and, you know, in terms of a legacy church, in terms of what success looks like, they may count numbers, but Jesus never really had a problem in uh, drawing a crowd. Hmm. However, uh, in his ministry, he sort of drew a line and, and really challenged those who were following him. And, um, you know, in, in some of the different passages, they sort of come to him, you know, in Matthew 7, uh, 21 to 23, uh, he, he sort of draws a line in the sand and he says, okay, uh, listen up, everybody. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, hmm. uh, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, I think these people thought that they were doing the will, because then they go on and say, well, they'll say to me that day, Lord, did, did, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and uh, did many wonders in your name? Uh, so as far as they're concerned, they're, they're following a, a certain strand or a path of, of truth that they have become convinced is following God's will. But but Jesus arrests them in their step and in their speech. And he says, I declare to them, I never knew you. Hmm. And I, I see that's the scariest verse in the Bible. <laughs> Seriously, because, because here's all these people who think that they're on the straight and narrow hmm. and uh, they, they've missed something. They've, they've missed, uh, you know, Jesus is the, the way, the truth and the life. But in terms of what it means to follow the truth, uh, they were deceived and so today, as we look at this chapter, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the dilemma in the legacy church, where there may be so many people, but we really do we really know what they believe, hmm. uh, contrasted with the disciple-making movement, uh, which is a smaller, more intimate, one-on-one, more accountability type of setting. So, so I set the stage, Darren. Why don't you run, why don't you run with it a little bit and, and sure. see where we end up today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To boil it right down, we're talking about faith errors. Like, yeah, how are errors yeah. dealt with in in different models of church? And by faith errors, we're talking about belief and yeah. conduct and values. You know, how how our faith shows up in our life. It's not just knowledge. Knowledge is a part of it. You know, uh, Paul tells Timothy, "Watch your life and doctrine closely." That's right. That's right. Both sides. You know, so yeah. so that's really what this is about. How do we know that people are believing rightly and conducting themselves rightly? And that's a tension. And as we were talking before, Tim, it, it, in part, it's a tension between a large group versus a small group. Totally right. apart from the model of the church, if there's, you know, a hundred or a thousand people meeting together, we don't know each other well enough to know what we actually believe and where we're going, what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and basically, when you look across the spectrum of uh, society, we have so many different church types and denominations. And usually people will find a place where they think they fit. It's called homogeneity. That's what we used to say in the old days. Our birds of a feather flock together. And some of that has to do with truth, with, with doctrine, what we believe about the Bible. And even today, 
there seems to be a widening variance in terms of people will associate with others based on specific issues mm. uh, rather than just holistic understanding of truth. And um, as we think about faith errors, uh, I was thinking even in my own life, um, uh, when am I ever held accountable in, mm. in the church setting in terms of what I believe? Yeah. Like I can fit in, I can do uh, everything that seems orthodox in my church. But man, when I get up to preach, you know, to uh, uh, up to a thousand people, I have no clue where mm. most of these people are at spiritually. Mm. They seem to keep coming back. Maybe it's because we serve good muffins in the lobby after. I don't know. Maybe they like the music. Uh, but uh, this is the dilemma when there are errors in people's faith, just as it was in, in Matthew 7, where people thought that they were, were doing really well in their faith, but but they actually had missed something. Hmm. And uh, one of the greatest challenges in, in church leadership, uh, especially when we want people to grow to maturity, is it appears we we uh, pause the growth expectation when people sort of fit in, maybe get into a small group, uh, but they don't go on to spiritual maturity as seen in the ability to make a disciple that makes a disciple. Yeah, I mean, I was asking the same question myself, Tim. When was the last time I was rebuked or challenged or corrected? You know, and I think of times in my life when I should have been. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't. And we don't expect it. You know, especially when we have when we have the mindset about church being, I don't like the phrase, but I'll use it, a safe place. Yeah. Being comfortable. Those, those kind of concepts surrounding church, and they're, they're not inherently wrong, but we are called to correct, rebuke, and encourage. Yeah, that's right. You know, as leaders, for sure, and, and, and believers back and forth, we need people who know us well enough to give us a pat on the back when we need it and a kick in the pants when we need it. Who yeah, love us enough to do that. And I think that is part of what this is that is getting to being close enough to someone to see where they're wandering off yeah. and loving them enough and knowing them enough to call them back. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think, uh, you know, in Second Timothy 3.16, you sort of quoted that, you know, when, when we hold the Bible in our hands and more importantly, when we hold the Bible in our hearts, we have yeah. to realize that, that this is a living word. It's God breathed. It's inspired. Uh, yeah. What does it inspire mean? Well, when I get a balloon and I blow into it, it's my breath in that balloon. I've inspired into it. And whatever comes out is, is what I put in. And, and, and uh, Paul says to Timothy, you know, it's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Now, we've spoken many times how the church is really good at teaching, but maybe not good at training. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to truth, there seems to be very few feedback mechanisms in a legacy church. Yeah, in terms of a, a life of accountability for life choices, uh, we can remain pretty obscure and private, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, let, let's be honest, even a small group doesn't solve this. No. If our group is just about knowledge acquisition yeah. and social, social interaction, we still might not get to know people well enough or be in a place where we're being challenged and corrected and rebuked. I think it comes back to what we really talk about all the time, Tim, Tim is this disciple-making lens. Are we in a context where we're seeking to be disciples who make yeah. disciples? And if I'm trying to, if I want to grow as a yeah, disciple, exactly. I need someone to correct me. And if I'm working with someone who wants to grow as a disciple, I need to be willing to challenge them as well. So it's about what's the purpose of this? If it's to make disciples, then this, yeah. this uh, accountability is part and parcel of what we're doing. 
And I think in most small groups um, that probably were started uh, for good reason uh, to get people into smaller groups so that you're not lost in the big crowd. And even in smaller churches, you know, uh, 20 to 50 to 75 in rural, um, you know, it's more based on knowing people, being known, looking after, caring for it. And, and then, yes, studying the Bible together is, is central. But in terms of spurring one another on to good works and to uh, spiritual maturity, unless it's stated, as we would in a disciple-making movement group, mm. uh, I, I know uh, with, with some of the fellows that I, that I meet with uh, from day one, I said, okay, so we're gathering here and we're going to share a lot. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to care for each other. But let's understand this. And in and, and the first group I started, I said, in one year from now, mm. we're all going to do what I'm going to try to lead us through. And to lead, I only have to be one step ahead of you guys. And in one year from now, you're going to go and find some guys and do this with them as well. And we're going to model to each other. And and, and But from day one, it was stated that this was the purpose. Mm. And we would hold each other accountable based on our, our, our ability to grow to the point that we could multiply. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's perfect. That's how it happens. You know, again, who's the greatest disciple maker? Jesus. Yeah. And you look at how Jesus dealt with his disciples. It'd be interesting to go through the Gospels and make a note of, when Jesus encouraged his disciples yeah. versus challenging versus rebuking, he did both. He did, all he did a lot of both. Yeah. He took risks on them. He sent them out. He taught yeah. them. He evaluated them. You know, he had some pretty strong rebukes at different time, at different times. But he he kept uh, kept them close enough. I think he, they knew he loved them. Yeah. And when someone knows you love them and have their best interest start, and if you're on a common path of of mission. I think that provides a lot of grace for the kind of challenge that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I think in this whole area of faith errors, we have to realize it isn't just about you look after me, I look after you. Mm. Uh, but but the centrality of the role of the Holy Spirit, who obviously, as we've said before, uh, comes and takes up residence in us when we cross the line of faith. Mm. One of his roles is to not only comfort us, but to convict us and correct us and counsel us as well. Do you want to, do you want to unpack that a little bit, Darren? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a great point. You know how how we might slide into thinking that our model, whatever our model is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or our yeah. program, or our systems, our membership or discipleship pathway. You know, if we get it tight enough, it'll fix all of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. But the truth is, biblically and and realistically, we need to recognize and depend on and expect the work of the Spirit in the lives of people who are followers of Jesus, who've come to faith. The Spirit is resident. You've already highlighted. He enlightens the Word. He corrects. He rebukes. He he disciplines in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and we yeah. need to be open to that and recognize that that's a big part of how it happens. And, and teaching people, I think, to hear and respond to the voice of the Spirit. That's I think right. it comes back to, you know, that, that idea of instant radical obedience. Exactly. That if that's, if that's one of the values we're trying to instill in people— that in a way teaches us to respond to the voice of the Spirit, and that becomes a pattern and a habit, and we're used to being then corrected by the Spirit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the role of the Spirit is transform, transforming us to make us to be like Jesus. Like, like that, that, That's the role of the Spirit, uh, to be like Jesus. And, and, and we've said before, to be a disciple is to live your life as if Jesus were living his life through you, and it's the Holy Spirit who keeps us on that pathway and therefore i know especially 
for leaders, type A personality type, we like to set up a model or a program or a process. We spend probably far too much time putting our confidence in that rather than realizing that unless the Holy Spirit is in the the middle of this, the sweet Mm. spirit of Jesus, then probably we're going to get off center and we could end up in a ditch. And and I think that's what happened to those people in in Matthew 7. They Mm. they started well, like even the hypocrites started well. They wanted to be pure before God, but then they just started making rules and regulations and they put their faith in that rather than in the the, the holy, uh, personal, persuasive, uh, submission to the spirit within them. Mm. And uh, so, so that was a challenge to me because I, I like creating things. I'm a conceptualizer and I, I, I can create programs and see how they can work. But unless the spirit's at work uh, in us, uh, the, the Lord ex- expects us to do good works that he's planned in advance for us to do Ephesians 2.10. But sometimes uh, we have to allow the spirit to do the work that only he can do, mm. uh, you know, ministering to the human soul and, and putting his, his, his hand and finger upon us just to keep us humble and to keep us hungry uh, so that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Oh yeah. I, again, I, I can't help back to the example of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus left his disciples yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sent the spirit. That's right. You know, th- think about that. That, that, you know, instead of being this centralized, everyone needs personal contact, physical contact with Jesus, the decentralized outpouring of the Spirit, so every yeah. believer is indwelt by the Spirit, can be directed by the Spirit. And I think we need to have have as much uh, faith as Jesus did in the work of the Spirit and recognize that, you know, if, it was, if they were better off with Jesus gone and the Spirit present, yeah. how can we think that they're better off with us present? Exactly. That we That's are essential in, yeah. in the whole process. What is essential is the work of the Spirit. And yes, obviously teaching everything else, but to have faith in the work and the power of the Spirit in our disciples' lives and our own lives, I think is a huge, huge lesson from this. Yeah. So obviously, if uh, our listeners today are, are thinking, okay, where do I start? You start on your knees, as it were. Oh. I heard someone recently say, at, at night when you go to bed, Put your put your slippers far enough under your bed that you have to get on your knees to get them in the morning. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, that, you know, we're all part of sort of a church network uh, structure and programs. Um, we have people, small groups, perhaps. But but if this is a correcting word in terms of uh, who holds us accountable, mm-hmm. obviously the Holy Spirit uh, will hold us accountable uh, by through our conscience and through as we are into God's word by illuminating it to us. But however, in, in the human dimension, uh, are you being uh, held accountable by anyone? Are you holding a, uh, someone accountable? And for um, church leaders, I, I, I would suggest, because this is where my heart is always resonating. Uh, who are the most recent believers that have come uh, to your fellowship your faith community, and who is holding them, hmm. maybe by the hand, teaching them how to walk and holding them accountable, because yeah. they will be the easiest ones and 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 uh, the most malleable in terms of life change, because that's what I'm finding. It, it, it's those who are newer in the faith that I connect with from week to week. They're the ones who are hungry, and they're like kids playing the piano like they're not scared of making mistakes but when they're taught how to do it properly then they commit and learn and, mm. and this is what this uh this chapter in the book is all about 
uh, faith errors. Uh, there's a lot of views out there, but uh, on certain disputable topics, perhaps. But uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, good leaders who want to come alongside those. Most elders are held. Uh, most elders hold their pastor accountable. Hmm. Uh, but in terms of other people in the church, uh, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if we we're all in disciple-making movement groups and, and go from there? <laughs> mm. Yeah, you know, I, I think in terms of application, Tim, for myself, and maybe this is the take-home for all yeah. of us, is yeah. to put ourselves in a place of accountability. Yeah. First, before the Spirit, you know, regularly praying as Isaac to the end of Psalm 139, search yeah. me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart. It, and asking him the question. And then also being in relationship with God's people enough with with a few where I'm vulnerable, where they know how I'm wired, where they know what I'm up to and not up to. And they love me enough, like I said, to pat me in the back or kick me in pants as needed. I yeah. think that will go a long way towards correcting my faith errors and again, model for our disciples what their structure of life needs to be to be on, on the right track. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned, uh, like we all have faith errors. Um, and so... Uh, until you know we meet Jesus face to face, we're we're always growing, and uh, we have to realize that this isn't just about other people. This is about us as well. And uh, I just want to finish off with with the end of that Psalm one thirty nine, where it says, "See if there's any offensive way in me," and that could be a, a faith error. And here's a beautiful thing: and lead me in the way everlasting. Mm-hmm. Here. Lead me yeah. in the way everlasting, and uh, that's where we're gonna. So land the plane today in terms of uh, we've had to go maybe a little deeper than than longer because this is something you don't want to rush through. Mm. And um, thanks for joining us today, friends. We pray in the coming days that uh, you look in the mirror and let the Spirit speak to your heart, and then uh, in, invite others into your life to hold you accountable. And yeah, one or two, and then look for someone a younger uh, mm. believer who perhaps. You can come alongside and say, do you want to take this walk together and go from there? Amen. That's a great word. Thanks for joining us, folks. That's an excellent week. See ya. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.